the course of that matchup, Taz was on the receiving end of a stuffed pile driver and landed on his head at a precarious angle and injured his neck, being the consummate professional that he is. He immediately tagged in Guerrero, rolled out of the ring, and despite the urges of manager Paulie Dangerously, Taz refused to go back to the locker room for immediate medical attention. He stayed out at the ring for the duration of the entire match. He then somehow walked on his own to the locker room where he practically collapsed. He was rushed to a nearby hospital and tonight he's receiving x-rays, MRIs, and CAT scans. Shane Douglas, on behalf of everyone here in the ECW arena. Not me! On behalf of all the wrestlers in the back, on behalf of myself, I'd like to tell you, you are fire! Way to go, Todd! The franchise is gone! The door hit you in the ass on the way out. Hello, my name is Del Muir and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast for part three of July 1995. We'll jump back in the time machine to look at ECW for the month of July and going to start off with the news. Fire away, gentlemen. Shane Douglas departed ECW at the beginning of this month and within weeks would make his on-screen debut as Dean Douglas on WWF television, portraying a schoolteacher gimmick based on his real-life occupation. The Douglas Exit saga has been going on for months, with an angle originally filmed three months ago when he lost the ECW title that appeared to be an endpoint for his run. The angle shot in July first was predictably odd in an ECW style. The ECW crowd ended up chanting, Shane is dead and we want flair, and Douglas's send-off was complete with a chokeslam by 9-1-1. Taz suffered a suspected broken neck after a spike pile driver went wrong during a tag team match in Fort Lauderdale. Taz was steaming with Eddie Guerrero against two cold Scorpio and Dean Malenko. Scorpio held Taz in the pile driver position and Malenko came off the second rope. Taz clearly landed incorrect and was visibly in immediate discomfort. He watched the rest of the match draped over the second rope in his corner. The Steiner brothers have reached an agreement with ECW after initial plans to see them work in WCW fell through. It's believed the pairing should enable the company to attract some attention from existing WWF and WCW fans while working alongside their existing talent like the public enemy. They are slated to feud with Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko shortly after their expected debut at the beginning of August. We have new ECW Tag Team Champions as Raven and Steve Richards defeated the public enemy at a match at a live event in a place called Jim Thorpe in Pennsylvania. To the surprise of no one, the change involved interference from the gangsters along with an appearance from referee Bill Alfonso. The decision was actually reversed twice. In the end, Alfonso's word overruled all and we have new tag champions. Tommy Dreamer! It doesn't matter whether it's 9.30 at night in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or if it's high noon on the West Coast, or as it is now, one hour before sunrise here on the beach of Florida, because there is no haven for you. There is no sanctuary. So it is written. And so it shall come to pass. Oh, God, I love the smell of fish in the morning. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, Raymond and Stevie Richards, current ECW Tag Team Champions, 
are celebrating yet another victory as we successfully defended our tag team title belts against Luna and Tommy Dreamer. And since we're here on the beaches of Florida, it makes me think back to my childhood. Back when I was a little Stevie, you know? And I used to watch Florida Championship Wrestling. And it was so cool. There was that little guy, Kevin Sullivan. Now, he was small and everything. He was about two feet tall. But, man, he was so cool. Wow, he used to control all them guys. He used to have guys like, like, oh, the purple agent say, Purple age. I command thee to come from the ocean. And the purple age used to go and go, Anyway, Purple Haze came out of the ocean, and he kicked ass just like Sullivan. And then, ooh, they had woman. Boom! Oh! Well, she was the greatest thing next to you, Bueller. And, oh, wow, it was the greatest. It was the coolest. It was the best time of my life. My childhood was the best childhood ever. Until they got Luna. Luna was this this moronic, stupid, moronic retard that shaved her head right down the middle. And you know what Luna did? Luna not only ruined that perfect stable that Kevin Sullivan built, she not only ruined Florida Championship Wrestling for the next 20 years, she ruined Stevie Richards' childhood. She crushed Stevie Richards' childhood. Until New Wave came along, and then I was I was teaching. I was like, da, 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 the police and everything. Da, da. Shut up, Richards. Okay, okay. Tommy Dreamer. I feel your pain. I've said it before, but as I've also told you, I feast on your pain. And every bit of anger, every bit of hostility you have, makes me stronger. And this. Two broken fingers, Tommy Dreamer. You thought that would set me back. You crucified me to a cage, and the entire world heard the chair shot turned around the planet as you doubled a chair across my head, and you thought that would be it. That was the end of Raven. But little, little did you realize that it only made Raven stronger. And now, Tommy Dreamer, if I was only powerful before, now I am like a god. And there now is no way to stop me, Tommy Dreamer. And I will prove to you, as everyone knows, that I am the most powerful force in extreme championship wrestling. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And in the kind of guys of ECW, we've got an ad hoc start to the show. Never even introduced you to Kieran. Oh. Kieran Mitchell, welcome Hello to the show. There. Thank you, Dale. And Tom Martin. Tom, good evening. Hello, Dale. Good evening to you. Thank you very much for the, the news, gentlemen. So, by a special ECW show this month, going to be pretty much focusing on the recent live event, Hardcore Heaven 
from ECW. Pretty big month for the, the company within this show. And then a couple of weeks later in the, the month of July, we also had Heatwave 1995. So a bit different to the usual hardcore TV review for ECW. Really just going to be focusing on the live show. We will have a score rating and a full review of the event itself. Got a bit of TV wrap up at the end and also a couple of discussion points with the, with the lads as well. Kieran, just starting off with you. Obviously this is a pretty new company for you. You guys, with regards to the show, what did you think of ECW coming in before you watched anything? And any kind of notes uh, coming out here that you want to share? I mean, what I was expecting um, was sort of kind of what I got, but was, <laughs> uh, we'll, go, we'll go into it further on. But I was kind of disappointed because, obviously, you took a look at the card and I was straight away, and it jumped straight out of you thinking... Where's like the wrestling part of the mm. CW name going to come from? I can see the extreme bit, and I can see you know there's like your Cactus Jack, your Sandman's, all of this, and but I was struggling to see where the wrestling was going to come from. So initially, I was quite excited because it's completely different. Never seen an ECW show before this. Um, basically, been doing WCW, WWF. So my hopes were high, but. Again, a bit trepidatious because of what the card would look like. So we kind of got, as you say, the E, but we never really got the the W. I'm sure we'll come on to Tom a bit yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've been an ECW fan from the from the sidelines for a while. I, I, I think ECW is one of those things that when you watch an ECW highlight reel, it's one of the best things you've ever seen, and you think, right, God, if we if we had a whole a whole show of this, it'd be the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and this is the first time I've actually sat down and watched an ECW show from start to finish. So it, it was an interesting experience. Um, I wouldn't have said I was maybe disappointed, um, but it, it was a, it was different to how it's presented in the in, in the recap shows that we see on hardcore TV, etc. Um, and the way that it's all pieced together. So it was it was it was interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting uh, uh, interesting show, I think. Exactly. Thanks very much, boys. So just without any further ado, we'll fire into the the review of Hardcore Heaven itself. Tom, if you want to fire us off with the results. The Dudley Brothers defeated the Pitbulls. Dino Sendoff and Donny Allen fought Chad Austin and the Broad Street Bully to a no contest due to interference by 911. Hack Myers defeated Big Big Mally. Two Cold Scorpio defeated Taz with Paulie Dangerously. Raven and Stevie Richards with Beulah McGillicutty defeated Tommy Drever and Luna Vachon. Axel Rotten defeated Ian Rotten. The Sandman with Woman defeated Cactus Jack. And the Public Enemy defeated the Gangsters. Thank you very much, Tom. So fire on with the show. we start off with a, a very slickly produced video package highlighting the main bouts in the cut. Oh no, we don't, it's ECW, so we're straight in here, no messing about at the start. Um, we're into the, the Pitbulls and the Dudley Brothers, who might be a new name to anybody listening to the, the show, it was certainly new to me. We had Dudley Dudley, and we had Big Dick Dudley, the manager, and he was also teamed up with Little Snot. Dudley, yes, this is actually happening. Um, going up against the Pitbulls, good couple of power spots in the match for the Pitbulls, especially Pitbull 2. But the fans do actually pretty much get behind the Dudleys at this point. 
Outside the ring, Steve Richards, obviously with the Pitbulls, were raving and Beulah at this point. Steve gets a, a kiss from his female fan in the usual place in the ECW arena. Beulah, now that Stevie's obviously got a bit of gold around his waist, takes fabulous offence at this. Raven breaks up their cat fight between the fan and Beulah, drags Beulah and Stevie to the back with her hair. In the ring, the, the Pitbulls look to have the match won with a super bomb from the second rope with both one and two, but the Dudleys manage to get the win as one and two are distracted, looking for Raven and his cult. Post-match, the, the Pitbulls announced their frustration at being again left behind by their leader, and we're off to a, a start in this show. Tom, what did you make of the kind of less than auspicious start with this tag match? Um, yeah, I didn't think uh, it was a bad match. I, I, I felt, I mean, it was quick. It was it was very quick, but a lot of ECW matches are. Um, so that was the first thing that took me by surprise, really. Um, but then they're fast paced, so you don't necessarily notice it so much. Um, I, th- I think the Dudley Brothers is, is a gimmick that we're just, we're just going to have to give it some time. Um, at the moment, I don't think we've been given enough in terms of a backstory to understand who they are, what they're about, and what they're looking to do in the company and um, where they fit in. So really, I guess at the moment, we're just taking them for what they are. Uh, and the Pitbulls, the fact that they're called one and two, they also lack a bit of backstory themselves. <laughs> so there wasn't there, there wasn't a huge um, uh, overarching story to, to ride with on this one. But, you know, uh, it, it was probably as good as a, a match as it, as, as it could have been. Um, there were a few things going on. There was the storyline outside. Uh, with the interference from Stevie's fan, uh, I, I think that's that's cool. That that sets up, um, you know, once we once we learn a bit more about who that is and, and how she that, that lady who we're presuming is not actually a fan. She does work for the company, and I might just be I might just be really clever and work that, that one out myself. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she she looks she looks the part. Um, her and Bueller are going to have a feud, uh, you, you would think. Um, and I, I think you know it, it, the pitbulls with their, with their sort of interaction um, in the inter- interview after the the match, I think was really quite welcome. Because um, for characters that, like them, that, that they do struggle to, you know, they're not involved in any particular storylines themselves. It's often off the back of what Ravens Ravens doing historically. Uh, it would be good to see them go out on their own. And I thought they were decent on the microphone. I didn't think they, um, you know, set the world alight. Um, but it would be good to see where they go. And I think the Dudleys will be, uh, as you say, Dell. They, they seem to be over with the crowd. So. I'd be interested to see where where they go within the company. Yeah, right off the right off the bat as well. As I see these two guys just coming in, we've got Big Dick on the outside and Pitbulls one and two. As you say, we're not really coming into this with a, a kind of George Lucas master plan and kind of pre preempting the stories here. Martin, would you make it us? Sorry, Kieran, would you make it us? Um, straight away, like I said, I'm coming in, didn't know anything, and uh, I thought. Uh, Joey Styles had a great line because I'm always drawn to like the commentary first of all because I always think it like sets up the company and he, Joey Styles suits it best and he had this line for Dudley Dudley <laughs> and he says their parents what was it um, Joey Styles with Dudley Dudley as a man whose parents had a keen imagination or a cruel sense of humour <laughs> so straight away I was like I like this I like this guy and. To be fair, I, I agree with Tom. I think the match was okay as long as what they were setting up afterwards sort of we get a payoff for that. So all of that drama that sort of dis- may have, you know, quote unquote distracted you from the match. And the match wasn't bad. I thought some of the offense was actually quite good, especially from, like you said, Pitbull too, on um, um, when they were dominating Snot and some of the stuff they were doing there. There was a little bit of offense from the Dudley brothers. But I think. With all that distraction, 
if that actually gets paid off down the line, I think that would be really good. And like Tom said, the the pit bulls didn't, you know, they don't set the world alight. But I think, you know, thrusting them, you know, giving them a bit of a push, sort of taking Raven away from them, could like bring the best out of them. And there, there could be some really good things to come from that team. I think. I mean, look wise, they're very, very different to a lot of the other guys on the card, especially in that tag division or what I've seen of the tag division, I should say. So. I'm quite looking forward to where that will go and if we'll get a payoff to all that um, distraction from outside. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. You know, I think you guys have made made some cracking points. On you go, on you go, Tom. No, I was just going to say on the, on that subject, have we not seen anyone like them before? I, I, I must admit, one of the first things I thought when looking at them is that they they reminded me of um, Demolition from across in WWF. Right. They got that yeah, sort yeah. of they got that sort of latex PVC gimmick going on with a bit too much metal. Um, and uh, I think, you know, given the right, given the right sort of, uh, given the right push, they, they could actually be quite an aggressive and quite, a, you know, a, a, a team to be reckoned with. That's just something that something that I jotted down as well. No, that's a fair point. I mean, especially looking outside as well. Even with the Dudleys, you've got Big Dick Dudley is there as a manager and in, in this role, when he's standing there, he's at least three hundred pound. So I mean, you've got some big guys in this, and I mean, not to give away too much of a spoiler with the. The TV stuff coming up later on, we actually see the Pitbulls doing a, a springboard to the outside where Pitbull 1 blasts Pitbull 2 to the outside. Pitbull 2 pretty much lands in his head. Obviously ECW, we don't have any protective mats in the outside. He yeah. lands in his head on the concrete and he's up again two seconds later. I mean, it's almost like a, like an AWA Road Warriors kind of stick with it. Caught with, we can have just been these big beasts that no one can seemingly handle, but could the Dudley brothers, as we, as we say, they're pretty new into the fold. The fans seem to have taken to them. Certainly could be something that's interesting, as the boys say down the line, if we get a, a payoff to this, which ECW, to be fair, have a pretty good track record of. So, any another, any another tag match straight after this, but the Pitbulls and the Dudleys were now into Donny Allen, and Dino Sendoff, they're going up against Bad Chad Austin and the Broad Street Bully, the hitman Tony Stetson. So it's a pretty cold cut again to this match. Not a lot of production as we've come to know and perhaps love for ECW. Cold cut straight into the match between these two teams. Um, there's a backdrop middle of the match that pretty much almost next Donny Allen. The crowd then chant is <laughs> as loving and supportive as ever. You both suck. And it's you both suck dick. Uh, Styles, Joey Styles on the, on the mic says the match. He's, he's, I mean, you've just got to admire their support of these fine young athletes. Um, Joey Styles on the call. He's saying that the match will quote never make air as it's so bad. Uh, the crowd then chants for nine one one, and as the big man does, he fully obliges them. Comes out, choke slams everyone. And then leading back to the angle for last month with 911 and his five choke slams, they start chanting, we want six. And we see a very, very nervous looking Bill Alfonso just peering round the corner for the back of the, for the back of the curtain. Um, Kieran, I want to start with you in this one. There's a lot of talk about this match being as bad as it was. Personally, I'm more of the outset that it was maybe Pretty much bad by design, whether that's to get 911 further over or to extend this kind of almost pending payoff of him finally getting his hands in Bill Alfonso. Do you agree with my theory or do you think it really was just this bad? 
it, uh, to me, it is a blatant setup for this guy because I, don't, I mean, I don't know the shtick with nine one one going in, but am I? To my mind, what it looked like as a complete um, noob, you know, newbie. What it looks like to me is they put on a purposely bad match. Crowd gets on the back of the referee, basically, like I said, telling them that they suck dick. And then <laughs> they, then the inevitable nine one one call goes out, and then up, down comes a guy the size of the north face of the Eiger and just like <laughs> choke slap. I mean, that guy is quite an impressive, like size dude and when he comes out and started chokeslamming I sat there with the missus and I just said holy shit he's going to destroy these people and lo and behold he absolutely just destroys everyone in the ring does, yeah. yes. it's got to be by design there's no way that I, I can't believe they would ever put four people in a match knowing that they obviously know it's going to be bad and that the crowd is just going to like I said get on his back 911 call out he comes decimates everyone the crowd goes yeah 911 job done Totally, totally agree. Tom, would you yank? Yeah, I, I agree with Kieran. I think that the giveaway for me that it was clearly a setup was when you've got Joey Styles saying, "How bad is this? It's never, it's not, it's <laughs> yeah, not even going to be on TV." Because <laughs> even, even in a bad match, usually like, the, the crowd will get on, to, on top of the top of the guys in the ring, and the commentary team will try and keep it afloat. But Joey Styles was, you know, he was trying to sink the boat as much as anyone. Um, and, and then they've obviously just done a bit of creative booking and just said, okay, how can we make the crowd want 911 more than any other possible way we can think of? Let's have one of the worst matches possible and have him come out and obliterate everyone. And the guy is, a, is just a beast. He really is. I, I, I haven't seen him work too much in the oh. ring other than just planting people with that choke stand that I'm sure he's going to break someone's neck with soon. And I wonder, I wonder if, and you guys talked about this last month, um, Dell, you and Bob last month, but I wonder if the eventual setup with this, with Paul E and 911 is for Bill Alfonso. And will, mm. will it just build and build and build eventually to the point where Bill takes his choke slam and that's the payoff? But personally, I hope it doesn't. I don't think anyone should ever get their hands on Bill because I think he's, no. he's, he's just so over, uh, in that, in that <laughs> he, looked like, he looked like Cyril Sneerby on that curtain. It was hilarious. Yeah, he did. That is yeah. who it is. I've been trying it, to place who finds it amazing. It's, 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 exactly. it's either that or Splinter from the Teenage Turtles. He's one of them. <laughs> I think Cyril Slater was quite a nice rat, though, to be fair. I mean, Fonzie's <laughs> definitely nice. got the teeth for it, but... Yeah. I don't, know who, I don't know who that makes Bert, but anyway. Um, yeah, no, it, it, I, I think it's... Uh, you can see exactly what they're doing with it. Um, I just, as I say, I hope that it doesn't eventually lead to a, to a chokeslam to uh, Bill Alfonso, because I think there's more money to be made there than that. Um, but I also agree with what you guys said last month in that how far can they push this? You know, yeah. six yeah. chokeslams soon become, soon become seven, and then... You gotta draw the line somewhere because either the crowd will get bored or um uh someone's gonna get hurt. I mean so, has he had a match yet? Has he actually had a match yet? Nine one one's pretty much there is Paul he can I command his Paulie's heater, Paulie's bodyguard. Now the crowd kinda of love him that much where he does just okay. it's almost like a kind of self censor for ECW where if some shit nine one one gets chanted, nine one one comes out, nine one one causes carnage, everybody's happy. Which, oh, as you say, I mean, with him booting it into this position, pretty, pretty smart stuff. I mean, you've gotten four pretty much jobbers coming out here. They've tried to repackage Tony Stetson a little bit with this Broad Street bully thing. 911, but as you say, just comes out as a boss. And that's, I mean, if you're looking at the, can I suppose the most common kind of 
comparison with us would probably be in the Fed, where like your SIDs and your diesels, where it's like big mm. menacing guys that's got a big killer move. Myself and Bob have even spoken about it. Could we see like nine one one in a big company like that? But ECWs, as they just do so well, it's kind of hiding those, hiding those weaknesses and accentuating the positives. But as you, as you say, Tom, I mean, it's whether that gets exposed over time. If you're just going to see them as that choke slam, that's kind of somewhere I think they need to walk a bit of. Walk they, about they, might just, there, they might want to just want to ride it out until they, you know, really like rinse it dry sort of thing until it gets to that point where they, they said, right, we're going to have to put him in a match and then just, it's going to be an unknown quantity, isn't it? Well, that's, uh, and I mean, hopefully the big man delivers because I mean, I, I seem to talk about this every month, but that choke slam for me is just, is, is kind of much an impressive move as you're going to see in this business at this point. The break spine if he catches in. Well, that's that. I mean, I mean, we we spoke about this match kind of being almost bad with design. I don't know whether you two gentlemen are going to be quite as quite as positive with the next one. But we've got the Shaman ECW Hack Myers, and he's going up against a, a debutant who can't be getting much change at his six hundred pounds. Whether it's Big Marley, Big Bal Puccio, whatever you want to call him, um, gentlemen, I'm not even going to kind of hide my hide my apathy for this match. That the notes I've got in this are about two lines long. It pretty much alludes to Big Val Puccio making Hack Myers look like Lex Luger. Body wise, I mean, it's it's good that Hack's got the crowd with him with a full shot chance for him offending and the shit chance for him defending. The last kind of bits of notes I've got in this match is after an endless five, six minutes of nothing, Val misses an elbow allowing Hack to get the win. Worst match ever. Kieran, <laughs> am I being too harsh on this? Fucking bobbins. <laughs> I thank you. That bloke, he's, he's, put down the fork, mate. Come on. It's like, what did, what did they seriously think they were going to get out of booking someone that big who can't even... you got someone like Yokozuna. Yokozuna could at least move. This guy mm. just... I mean, it took him, like, a week to get from, like, caught me on. He does, like, the running and then squashes the guy in the corner. It takes him a week to get across the ring. It's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's terrible, Del. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Any, any defence for us at all? Yes. But not much, I've got to be honest. I, I, I thought that Big Mally was working the crowd quite well at the start. I That's thought he was, he was, he was, he was winding him up and he was saying, look at me, look how good I look. And that's classic, <laughs> classic heel tactics. And if you're going to give any props to anyone in this match, I would give Big Mally props for pretending that he's, you know, got a decent body when quite That's clearly. true as well, because I mean, you see him coming out, I mean, it's not as if he's shy. He knows he's seen himself in I would imagine three to four mirrors in his house, kind of side by side, just so he can see himself. He knows that he's going out there. They start chanting, you fat fuck at him. And as you say, it's not, it's not as if he takes it to heart. It's not as if he's like, but I'm, but I'm not, but I'm husky. Yeah, it's water off the water. He knows he's going out there. He expects it. He laps it up, as you say. That's a fair point. It's kind of one of the, one of the few silver linings on that kind of, Oh, you can eat buffet plate. Um, not really much else to, no, to I think, talk I think about. Dealt, I think also though that that, that char chant is is really over. And if you're there, Brilliant. 
in, in in the arena, you're going to love that. Just just doing exactly. that. And the match was only what uh, six seven minutes. Six seven, think, I think. I push you up. Yeah, and you think three of that was probably the crowd chanting. So if you're there, you'd probably think that was good fun. So you can be you can only be so critical when clearly what was asked, you know, what 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 was the game plan? Let's go out there, get the crowd into it, and have Shah go over. So. Very much, and I mean, we, we spoke about this, we almost kind of seem to try and defend ECW every time we do these live specials, for this ain't a pay-per-view, this is just a live show to ECW's main form of business, is these live shows, getting the crowd in, getting them into the building, getting it as much a, a kind of audience participation as much as they can, and, and Hackmeyers does that, as I say, I mean, it's not maybe not the... The kind of most technical prowess you'll see in a, in a match, especially with Big, Big Marley or Big Val Pucci over there. But it's, it's kind of maybe not the best start to the show with the three matches that we've seen. But luckily we are coming up for a wrestling match right after this. It's going to be Two Cold Scorpio going up against the rebranded Taz. The shooter Dean Malenko wants to find himself the roughest, toughest, meanest, leanest tag team partner and he probably has. Too Cold Scorpio, you're a great athlete. But you see, you have stepped into the path of rage. And that's why Eddie Guerrero, out of all the wrestlers in ECW, out of any man that he could pick, picked Taz. Three letters, one man, and a dangerous new attitude. A Taz Plex machine. For what Taz does to human beings when he locks his hands around your body and drives your stinking head right through the mat is not a suplex. It cannot be compared to an average normal wrestling maneuver because it's not. It's far superior. It's a Taz Plex. And on a personal note, Bill Alfonso, you want to ban the fans? Let me get this straight. You defy the fans to challenge your order and show up on the 15th and show up this Saturday night? Hey, Fonzie, me to you, my man. Write yourself a will. Soon. So, straight into our first pretty much wrestling match of the night, we've got Tuchel, Scorpio and Taz. Scorpio is out at the start almost as if he's going to try to screw a bit with Taz where he's out in his normal tights, but... As opposed to maybe the red or blue or pink you would maybe see with Scorpio. He's out in orange and black. Obviously the new Tazzy's colours here. Um, gone are the days of the furry singlet. He's just a kind of wrecking machine these days. Out in the orange and black with Scorpio's trying to mess about with him. Taz goes for the, the Taz plex alone, but Scorpio counters in an arm drag. Two of them work off a, a headlock for a bit. At one point Taz kind of catches Scorpio in the, in the middle when he goes for a leapfrog. Drills him with a belly to belly. We've got a test of strength and a monkey flip in the middle of this match as well. Scorpio manages to catch Taz with a Savat kick, crescent kick, super kick, whatever you want to call it. Stuns him with a power bomb, but Taz blocks him. Drops Scorpio with a lovely T-bone suplex. Scorpio kicks Taz's back. Does manage to deliver a tombstone pile driver, most commonly associated obviously with The Undertaker and the WWF. He then goes to the top, hits him with a corkscrew moonsault senton, known as the tumbleweed, and Taz just kind of pretty much jumps right back up. Hits some of the Taz Plex, goes for the cover, gets the one, two, three, Taz is your one, no. Scorpio's foot, bottom rope, out comes Bill Alfonso, everyone's favourite official, 
comes out, orders the match to continue. Paulie just going daft on the outside of this, gets into the ring, right up into Alfonso's face. Alfonso kind of reiterates his authority in this company, says no wrestler can touch him or he'll shut the full place down, just ask Shane Douglas or Todd Gordon. But Paulie then says, as long as no wrestler will harm him in my watch, he ain't a wrestler and starts squaring up to Fonzie. Turns around, takes the coat off. Fonzie manages to get a cheap shot and next thing we know, Scorpio then flying leg drops a chair onto Tazzy's face right in front of Alfonso, but Fonzie being that lovable rogue that he is, doesn't mind that. Counts to three and Scorpio gets the win. Kieran, what do you make of this match? Wrestling, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, this was just this was class. Some of the some of the execution the suplexes I have not seen. I mean the Taz the Tazplex alone, but just some of the other stuff. The, oh, it was just it was awesome. And I really liked the segment in the middle. Um, it wasn't too long. But I was I was praying it wasn't going to be all that sort of drawn out stuff that I'd see on some of the TV. Sort of before, and you know, yeah. some of those segments kind of goes down where they sort of, and it's just like, come on, come on, and it was just like the perfect <laughs> length. It was the perfect finish to extend the feud, and I just loved this match. I, yeah, loved it, loved it. Tom. Yeah, another glowing review from me. I, I thought it worked for a whole host of reasons. I thought, you know, it, uh, Taz, if you want to talk about how do you repackage someone and bring them out, get them over, and give them a, 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 a character that they can run with. It's just money, money, money. He, yeah. he, look, he looks like he was built to be that character. He stands there, he folds his arms, he doesn't need to do anything. And he's got that, he's got that stare. It's enough. Before the match has even started, you're like, you know, we're, we're ready to go. Scorpio is getting in his face, being quite aggressive, being sort of, you know, winding him up. And what do you do to someone that stands there and doesn't want to be wound up? You want, you, you wind them up. And then what do you do when, after a great match, when they get the win, you reverse it on them because then that gets the crowd even more wound yeah. up because, mm. and it's, it's just great, like real textbook booking. I, I, you know, I, I thought that the, the match had some, some excellent stuff in it. Like, you know, a lot of stuff Kieran said, the suplexes were fantastic. Um, Scorpio was trying to keep it, keep it grounded, but Taz was flipping him all over the shop and, you know, there was a side suplex on Taz and he kept hold of the head, the headlock and really cinched that in. It looked really legit. Um, there was, yeah, belly to bellies, all sorts of stuff in there. Oh, I, I, and, you know, the, the tumbleweed's a fantastic move. Scorpio pulls that off so well. And the way Taz bolted up out like a, like a, you know, a beast in, in emerging from the water. Um, it was, it was great. Um, I, I think it, big thumbs up for the match. Uh, the the people involved and the the, the events post match as well. I thought it was really 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 good. I'm so glad you two guys agree with us. I mean, I was see after about the first thirty forty minutes of this show, it was like I, I feel bad for these boys. This is like the first exposure <laughs> to ECW on this show, and they're going to see. Oh god, it's not looking good. Anybody does manage to get a hold of the tape for for hardcore having. I would probably just recommend maybe going about 45 minutes in, start the, start the tape with us and it'll probably be a far better show than we'll probably talk about at the end. But Tom, I just want to kind of, kind of pick up on something that you mentioned as well and it is, I'm very much a kind of, a little things in, in wrestling kind of guy where it's like you can see the tumbleweed, you can see the kind of big storylines that we've had in ECW in the last kind of 10, 11 months of its inception. 
it's the little things for me where you just see Taz standing there, arms crossed. It would just stare a hole through any man, I think. And it's he's just, as you say, been repackaged to perfection. Paulie yards to it, sticking Fonzie into that as well. And then they kind of almost kind of heel turn the Scorpio, where he's really kind of changed that that act that he's got. I mean, it was just that. It was just a really good match. And I mean, it might be kind of similar to what we've seen in in WWF earlier on this month with the with the match at In Your House too. For the Intercontinental title, it was like we've kind of seen so much dross, and we're just kind of getting anything that's kind of half decent and above, just get howling superlatives just because it's kind of followed so just, much, so I mean, much poor me, action. Me, On you go, Kim. For, for me, Dale, what it what it is is like there's two other things. It's like I like the way that there was a bit of psychology involved because I sort of know straight away. Oh, the the attire is quite similar, so I was thinking maybe. Scorpio was doing some suplexes and wearing similar colours and I was trying to think he's trying to get in Taz's head and like Tom said with the wind up that feeds into like trying to wind Taz up taking off his game because exactly. Taz, Taz is just going to be a guy that's just going to stand there like Tom said how do you do it you get into his head that's how you deal with a wrestler that's like that that it's going to overpower you he's going to out wrestle you so what do you do use his favourite move against him wear similar clothes because Taz will be like is this guy taking the piss and then straight away Taz is going to be off his game and then all like the, when you have a rest, when you have actually resting, all the sort of extreme part of it, it kind of makes sense and it all blends together and it's not just, it's not just wrestling and it's not just like chair shots and extreme stuff. When you mix it together, it just makes it that much better for me. Exactly, and I mean, it is, there's little things like the full attire thing and like, like all good wrestling should, the, the kind of bad guy, the guy's cast is the bad guy, at least in Scorpio. Their kind of twisted plan should always come back to bite them as it did with Taz and he just springs back up after the, after the tumbleweed gets the, the suplex for the, well, apparently the one before Fonzie mm. comes out. And it's, it's psychology. It does exist. It's 1995 and it does still exist if you look for it. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think that, Del, I think Taz is a great example of some people you need to bring the, bring the character out of them. Like you mm. guys have talked about before, Raven and Tommy Dreamer. They've both got backstories and they've got people that come out to the ring with them and you know what's happened to them before and you need to know that in, in, in order to really understand what motivates them. Taz just stands there. And if you put Taz in front of Bill Alfonso, Bill Alfonso is going to jump around like a nutcase, and Taz is going to stare at him. <laughs> and, and that's, but, but that's all you need. You, you don't need anyone else in the ring. You're just waiting for Taz to do something. And I think with Taz as well, it's such it's such a great gimmick because you look at someone like 911. If Paul Heyman's sending him out, choke slamming people like choke, you know, left, right, and centre, nobody can get anywhere near him. Send him in the ring when Taz is there. Have Taz, Taz stare at him. Goes for the choke slam, reverses it, puts him in a T-bone, and the, the place would go crazy. You know, and, it, it, and it's so yeah. simple. It's 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 just it's got um so much there are so many pros to what they've done with Taz I can't think of any cons so I think it's a big thumbs up to to ECW and to, and to Paul Heyman for for what they've done with him um, exactly and, and as you say there as well exactly as you say as well Tom and it's psychology still exists if you look for it simple things work as well I mean we talk about the the kind of quote unquote smartness of this Philadelphia crowd and it's like. The simple things can still work, even with that, even with fans as much on the outside. That's a great point because because these these this this crowd is about as switched on. I mean, you you can't you can't bullshit this crowd. Straight, I mean, they're telling wrestlers that they're like fat fucks, they can suck dicks, 
this crowd gives zero fucks. You cannot pull the wool over their eyes. So still, even as though as you know, as smart marks as they might be, still when you employ little bits of psychology and you do things the quote unquote proper way, or however you want to say it, you can still get people. And I think Paul E, like Tom said, he's really onto something here. And t- like I said, Taz is obviously going to get pushed to the to the moon and back. Um, and I just think it's going to get so much better from here on out. Exactly, and as you two guys say, I mean, it's such another fresh 90 here as well, and myself and Bobby Barnberg just go on about this promotion, but it's right that, that, right that we do, and I mean, it's just the simple things like respecting an audience, and in turn, the audience will respect the work, and it just came off to, to perfection in this match, but moving on, what the, kind of pretty much a first, I would say, certainly for the, the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, we've got ECW World Tag Team Championships on the line. It's going to be Raven and Dancing Stevie Richards with Bjorn McGillicuddy. And they're going up against Tommy Dreamer and Luna Vachon in an intergender match for the World Tag Belts. Right off the bat, we get Dreamer going straight for Raven, obviously. They've got that blood feud on going at this time. We've now got it in a tag match. It gets Raven down goes to help Luna with Stevie and she kind of pretty much puts on a, a testicular claw I've got it called here boys I don't know where that's what you've got I couldn't, um, I couldn't but, watch when that was going on I couldn't, I was just like oh bloody hell me the is, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much there is up there for young Steve, God love him but it, it certainly seemed to pay him um, it was up by his earlobes when he was finished <laughs> and I mean, just if we couldn't get any more ridiculous, we then got on to kind of something that we like to refer to as wet and watch on the show. Um, we get a newspaper receptacle, and for anybody kind of over our side of the Atlantic Ocean, pretty much a metal box where you would get newspapers coming out, put a couple of cents in, you get your paper out, get a glass front in it, full metal article is here in the arena. They start blasting each other with that, and then they then bring in a TV antenna. No one that you would put on your TV in the house, like one off a roof. It's a three foot long TV antenna, solid metal. That gets used as well. And then in, in case they kind of get any more random, we then just get a random ironing board just kind of through into the, through the match. Um, Raven manages to knock down Dreamer, holds Luna while Steve hits her with a chair. Um, bit more on that later. Back to, to Tommy and the Raven. Tommy gets a DDT onto the newspaper receptacle. Dreamer down. He kind of Stevie and Raven can pretty much double team Luna at this point. Again, we'll come on to that later. Um, Raven somehow manages to get his arms tied up in the ropes. Stevie gets crotched in the top rope. Luna then brings down Stevie with a superplex. But Beulah hops into the, onto the apron, throws some kind of powder into Luna's face. Stevie then kind of goes for almost a penetration pin on Luna, gets the three count, and then kind of will come to the post-match stuff after this, boys. It's, I'm going to talk about the match first of all. We're actually going to be talking later on about just the general kind of ECW treatment of women, probably later in the show, most prominently, I would dare say, Luna Vachon. So we will come on that later. But for the actual match itself, what was your, what was your thoughts on this, Tom? Um, I, I went through a period of adjustment in this match. When, when it first started, I thought, um, I'm not sure that Luna's involvement in the match works because it just felt like um, Dreamer versus Raven and Stevie just sort of, 
pounding on Luna, and I, I say the word pounding like it wasn't it wasn't particularly aggressive. And I thought, really, are they, are they just there to get stuck, you know, so people don't get completely sick and tired of watching Dreamer versus Raven? However, as the match went on, uh, Luna's involvement became apparent because actually she is a woman, although sometimes you might forget it because she's so in your face with all the blokes, and she's never a shy of getting in, getting in something, you know, screwing up to someone and 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 have, saying her piece. Um, I thought. I thought overall it probably worked. I, I don't think it probably worked as well as, as the, the, the booking team might have hoped. Um, I thought the spot with Raven tied in the ropes was, was, was good. Um, and I thought the superplex um, involving Luna from the top was great. Uh, and as you say, there was a chair shot to Luna that kind of half made me wince, half didn't. And we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, but I mean, my, my overall feeling was that this match, whether it's going to be a match we want to watch or not, is going to lead to Luna versus Beulah. Um, that's what I took from it. Whether that pretty much, and I mean, we've got the full the full kind of situation with Stevie and his wonder fan on the outside as well. I mean, is it going to be her and Bueller? I mean, I, I think this might be a match better served probably between Stevie and Luna directly, which, as I said, that the the start of the show is actually something we're going to see in a cage, no less, at the Heat Wave 1995. Kieran, what do you think of the match itself? Um... I mean, it was okay. It was this, this is what I kind of thought, you know, sort of a standard ECW match kind of. I'm, I might be wrong, but I think this is kind of what a standard ECW match would would always sort of turn into. You'd get the odd sort of you know, nice bit of good offense, like the superplex, but interspersed with that, you get like the, uh, you know, all the stuff on the outside with the weapons and that. And it just strikes me as like, do they have a, like a list somewhere? Of weapons and they've got like an inventory <laughs> and they cross. I don't they have, like, write a, an inventory for that. Stock, they have a monthly stock take and they say, "Here, John, <laughs> we're we're all out of chairs. Well, what have we got? Well, we've got this TV antenna. I mean, what's on the list before the TV antenna? Do they just like shove shit under the ring? Just like it's just bizarre. <laughs> I was la- I was laughing my head off at the the, the newspaper thing because I was like, I know what that is. I know what that is. It's one of them. They get newspapers out there. I was thinking, well, why don't they just use like a, you know, like a, I don't know, a cane or I don't know, a baseball bat? No, they bring out a newspaper receptacle. I swear to God, the only reason that I even knew what it was was because I'd seen Dom and Dommer last year. I thought the same thing. And it was. Well, I don't believe that. It, when, when Lloyd He's puts awesome. his beers in the, uh, Exactly. Beers, it was yeah. the only reason I knew what it was. And I was just kind of expecting. I mean, is there going to be a, a lovable old lady in a motorised cart coming in the corner oh, here? No, just no, to kind of, no. I mean, that was the only reason I even knew knew what it was. But and as yeah, you say, and then they could have, they could have had the inevitable promo. And Harry, I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fade to black. See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> heat wave. I mean, just a wee bit of kind of off-topic stuff there, but. After the after the match is over, we cut to a point later in the show where pretty much another mass brawl erupts between these these four. The Pitbulls then come out and told, obviously still with Raven at this point, they're then told to superbomb Luna for the second rope as they've done to many a many a gentleman in the ECW roster, but never the lady or a woman, whatever you want to call Luna. Um, they then refuse to do that. Stevie um, goes for Pitbull 1, Raven blasts Pitbull 2 with a chair. 
The Pitbulls again refuse to listen to them. Raven then receives a double suplex from the Bulls. When they try to superbomb Stevie, out come the Dudley brothers. Little's not, and Dudley, Dudley. They run out, make the save. Pitbulls split off with the Dudleys. And Luna and Tommy, Raven and Stevie start brawling again. They fight all over the arena. Get up to the the Eagles' nest. The Pitbulls and Tommy Tremar eventually get the get the win in the brawl. Hoist Luna up on the shoulders, and the crowd chants ECW. Um, as I say, a couple of things that we want to talk about in this match, but we probably will leave them for after the the review, just with this kind of general treatment of Luna. She obviously got the the outcome at the end. We've been hoisted up on the Pitbull's shoulders, and Tommy Dreamer just riling up the crowd. But I say we'll talk about that a bit later in the show. Now we're on to kind of more of the story side. ECW, this kind of long, long-running saga with Shane Douglas, as we confirmed in the the news last month in June, the last confirmed dates with with franchise was going to be these shows, the 30th of June and then the 1st of July at Hardcore Heaven. Um, Shane Douglas is out in the ring with Joey Styles. As we said in the news, the fans chanting goodbye to him, even chanting for Ric Flair. Shane is dead. But the franchise, as always, needs to have the last word. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner, and still ECW World Heavyweight Champion, The Sandman! The man it's attending to attack his jack. Here comes Commissioner Lord. Maybe we can straighten this mess out. Interfered. You got to reverse this whole decision. No way Douglas is going to walk out of this arena tonight. He came in, he interfered. He the commissioner is beside himself. You got to do, do your job. Let's go. Come on. Let me tell you something, Todd Gordon. I'm about having you with your bald little head. How dare you? You don't have the authority to come down here and reverse any match. He's the commissioner. Don't relax. I'm going to show you what kind of nice guy I am here tonight. Swamp, an honorable man, a dignified man, the commissioner of ECW to lower himself and get down on one knee for his benefit? Oh, come on! Shane Douglas, on behalf of everyone here in the ECW arena. Not me. On behalf of all the wrestlers in the back. On behalf of myself, I'd like to tell you, you are fire. Way to go, Todd! The franchise is gone! The door hit you in the ass on the way out. I'm fired. You heard him take 95 North, buddy. And Douglas just decked the commissioner. He can't do that. So as we hear, the Douglas announces his decision to leave, shoots an ECW management. The crowd, sarcastically to some extent, applaud his decision and actually start quite comically drowning him out with woo chants. Um, woman comes out, calls Douglas the smartest man she knows. Franchise, similar to the Luna of Sean situation that we'll be discussing later, calls her a douchebag, gets a slap for his favours. She goes for another, Douglas takes her arm, 
before the Sandman comes out to run him off to the Fed. But will Douglas have that last word? Uh, gentlemen, we're going to be discussing this at the end of the show. I want to actually sneak it in here, just a kind of brief um, brief discussion on Shane Douglas. He is leaving. He has left, really, at the end of the month of July. He's debuted in WWF television, which we discuss in, the, in part one of the show. But just kind of looking at, I suppose, the last hurrah of... An ECW, Shane Douglas, the franchise, the former ECW world champion. Tom, what do you make of Shane Douglas as a, I'll say a character, but I mean just as a passionate guy in ECW, what do you make of this guy? Uh, I think um, his mic work is uh, very much above average. Um, I don't know if in the ring... He's going to um, set the world alight in WWF. I, I think um, he's probably, it's funny, he's probably the most WWF guy that ECW has. Ironically, it, yeah. I, ironically, because if you immediately put him across, where would he sit on the card? Uh, he's certainly not going to be main event. Yeah, mid card, probably. But how high can he go? Whereas in ECW, he's been running the show pretty much from a, from a promo standpoint and being a, a go-to guy. Um, for a number of main events for a while. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's a risk, but, but not for Shane Douglas, there probably isn't that much risk because he'll be making a lot more money and getting paid a lot more regularly with less checks bouncing. So exactly. He's got the contract now. He's on the big time. He's national TV. We've kind of stated our bits on the, the Dean Douglas aspect to him in the, in part one, as I say, but as a, as a last chance to see Shane Douglas, and I mean, he does get that payoff as we'll come to later in the, the show as well with 911. I mean, it was just, it was kind of good to see him getting this, this last kind of, this last hurrah, as I say, in Philadelphia, where I'd actually been watching Raw week by week, seeing the Dean Douglas stuff, and then by the time the hardcore heaven tape comes through, You've kind of seen him going back to the glory days. It was almost like a Quentin Tarantino film with a stop-start storytelling, but it's just <laughs> kind of good to see him in this this kind of happy end. And, Kieran, what this reminded me of, especially with seeing the WWF stuff and then going back to this, it was like, just, again, to talk about Tarantino, it was almost like the end of Pulp Fiction where John Travolta gets killed, but then you see him walking out in the last scene yeah. just as the titles roll. What did you what did you make of Shane Douglas in this, guys? I mean, I... I actually really, I mean, I would say that this particular segment being the only sort of promo style thing maybe went on a bit too long. It took him quite a while to right. get to, his, to what he was trying to say. But for what it was, he wasn't half, the, the word conviction springs to mind. And I think if his wrestling matches his, like his obvious promo skills, because they are, they are pretty good. He might go on a bit, but you know, they are pretty good. I just, I honestly, I, Agree with Tom. I fear that he'll just get lost in the lost in the deck sort of over at WWF. I think he's very much one and the same of what they've already got over there. I can't see him standing out. Whereas here, he's obviously he to me he's like the Ric Flair of ECW in that kind of character of that kind of like really self confident, egotistical. But he's got a lot of conviction about him. And I really, really enjoyed what I could pick out from this, like, 12, whatever, how long this segment was, 12 minutes, I think, or something. I from I got some really good impressions off it, and I really, I really like the character. And I'll be sorry that I won't get to see more of him at ECW. 
and there you go. There's a lovely promo from Kieran Mitchell there. Just go back and listen to the shows. See that rise and not even fall, just rise and rise of Shane mm. Douglas, the franchise in ECW before he makes that that debut in WWF as Dean Douglas. Do go back, listen to that. Hear myself and Bob just kind of just totally enamour ourselves with this guy and just what he means to the business and hopefully it does does end up well in WWF we can only wait and see um, we've had that wrestling match with Taz and Scorpio we've had the kind of king of the mountain Shane Douglas almost going out with his last hurrah we're now on to what we alluded to at the start of the, ma- the, start of the show with just this extreme side of ECW Taipei death match pretty much just a lawless rampage of a match, no rules ironically we've got Bill Alfonso officiating it and just kind of almost as a, an irony really but just the kind of general flexing these kind of authoritative muscles in the last kind of month or two that he's been on the show um, we'd get the kind of pretty much a slow start to the match as the, the Rottens, Ian and Axel size each other up Ian misses a round house punch, but Axel gets a quick jab in. We've got the first move of the match. Fonzie then backs both of them into neutral corners, looks over Ian. He's got a slight cut above the eye. Comically, Alfonso just calls off the match at this point due to a lack of vision, due to blood loss. Um, kind of random cut in the match out of nowhere. We just kind of see the gangsters and the public enemy brawling through the curtain into the aisleway. At that point, Bill Alfonso pretty much sees it as he's He's placed to almost run a mile, demands that these four are arrested, gets them taken out of the building. Now that Fonzie's away backstage with them in Philadelphia's finest, out comes Commissioner Gordon. Tom Gordon's out there. States Fonzie has left the building. Bill Alfonso has just left the building. So let's start the fucking Taipei death match and we're off. Um, so Ian rakes his brother eyes. Just, I mean, as the, just gonna explain here, as per the no rules in the match, both of the Rottens, Ian and Axel, have got their fists taped, which, as a street fight, makes pretty reasonable sense. But it wouldn't be ECW with it just going that bit too far, I would say. Both of them have got shards of broken glass stuck to the tape that is on their fists. Throughout the match, we see these shards getting taken off and kind of cutting themselves, almost like blading, but before the eyes of a very, very... I don't even know what the word is for the audience, but it's definitely audible gasps during it. Um, we've got the shards getting used, just kind of getting punched in the face with these shards of glass and blood everywhere. The, the two of them just end up walking around aimlessly around ringside, whether that's part of the story they were trying to tell or just a fact of just genuine consequences of blood loss. Back in the ring, Axel gets an earfall, Ian goes for the upper hand, Ian gets to the outside and then gets a bag of thumbtacks, goes for a pile driver onto the tacks, but Axel manages to get a back body drop onto them, splashes his brother onto the thumbtacks, gets the win. Boys, I'd I'd pretty much kind of stopped taking notes halfway through this match, and then the next thing I knew it was over. I just thought it was just absolute car crash TV. Um, I can't imagine this will make the air on on Hardcore TV. We did see incredibly brief highlights of it later in the month, but Tom, I'm going to start with you. This was, I just thought this had no place in in a wrestling promotion. I don't know why I'm just being a bit harsh on it, but what did you think? Um, I, I, I think that ECW as a brand tries very, very hard to separate themselves from their competitors. 
and there is no possible way you could separate yourself more uh, than having this uh, mm. and, call, and call it a match. It was borderline... What, like, I felt like I was watching people being tortured. Um, there was no... You, you didn't root for anyone. The crowd were not behind either 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 guy. So really, it was a case of uh, when's it going to be over? Um, there was far too much blood. There was far too much. It was far too slow. I did I did note a DDT, um, which was a, which was a plus point. Um, but the, the the best part of the match for me was the random run in from Public Enemy and the Gangsters. I thought that was great. Yeah. I, th- I loved that. I, was, I suddenly picked up and I thought, oh wow, this is this is what this is what I want to watch. And that, but then that, as a viewer, just shows exactly how wrong how wrong can they get it with the match that you're watching. So yeah, no, just 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 I, I didn't understand it more than anything else, and it was really uncomfortable for us and the crowd. Clearly, Kim, any any other kind of contrary thoughts to this, or are you with both the eyes? Uh, <laughs> I. I really, I don't really have any words for this. I was just really, really uncomfortable. Like I said, I watched most of the show with the wife, and she's like not into wrestling at all. And she was just like, she was just like, well, you always say, what are they trying to tell us? What are they trying to the story here? And I said, look, I really, I just, I just don't understand why this is even on the card. What, what did they think they were going to get from this? I mean, is this? I mean, I, I'm, I'm. Guessing, Dale, this is the blow off to the feud, is it? Is this Hopefully, the that should be the the, the kind of crescendo where that's blood feud, yeah. Because Jesus Christ, you, there's no way you can go after this, and I don't mean as in this was a great match. It was a tremendous blow off to an amazing feud. This was yeah. just like just just stop now, lads. Exactly. You know I mean, I mean? Just, we're not talking about that's been the panic away, the panic away. Like it says in here, it's just like Jesus, just stop. Why, 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 I don't, is that, I mean, is there, is, 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 is this like, sort of, like, is this like a standard ECW thing, like this, this amount of, or do they just sort of say to the wrestlers, look guys, we want to see blood, and then the wrestlers sort of just do it a bit ad hoc, or? The way that we've, basically what the story is, for anybody else that's unaware of the, the Ian and Axel Rowan thing, they basically used to be a tag team, they're storyline brothers and the team called the Bad Breed, split up at the start of the year after losing a match to the Pit Bulls and that was the outcome where the losers had to split up. We've started kind of having these baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire matches and kind of really just having a, a blood feud kind of in the the live circuit. There's not been too much yet in TV. You'll get the odd kind of cut to it during the, the month in hardcore TV, but this seems to be the pinnacle with us where it's just like you... There's a good story there, and I mean, we even spoke about it myself and Bob going back to the start where he's seen it in the Fed where you've got a brother storyline with Owen and Bret Hart, mm. and it worked perfectly. Owen's Perfect. the younger brother trying to step out the shadow. Yeah. These two just... I don't know, as you say, I think they just got it wrong here. But I think, for me, what I find so confusing about it with a match like this, uh, on a show like this, is you look at, you know, we talked about the Taz-Scorpio uh, match, and even aside from all the great wrestling that was involved, there was a really good story told. And I almost get the impression that they've gone, right, okay, that they had six men around a table, and they came up with all the ideas for that match. Okay, bam, we've nailed it. Right, who wants a coffee? I'll come with you, I'll come with you. It was left to one bloke on his own who just looked at it and went, and put a cross through it. And just said, just go out and just do what you like. It really did feel like that, mm. and uh, it, it was. It, it, there was absolutely nothing to be taken away from it, other than that was really horrible. So, yeah, just didn't understand it. 
and I think we we just must wrap that up there. So hopefully, as I say, that's going to be the the final blow in this blood feud, but certainly not one for the history books, at least for the right reasons. <laughs> What'd you think? Did you think the gangsters was going to come to the killing field and play with you? No, son. The gangsters coming for one thing. Belts don't mean nothing. Winning titles to the gangsters don't mean nothing. You see, you perpetrating the music, boy. Now, the gangsters in the house. And you got to know that when we get a hold of you, <laughs> don't think that the night was as bad as we gonna get because you ain't even seen the beginning yet. You see, I'll sacrifice three or four ribs. I'll break a few ribs. I'll even punch your kidney. That don't mean nothing because it's worth it in the end. You see, you got to know that now it's our violence versus your violence. And your violence ain't as bad as ours. I'll give credit where it's due. You a little tougher than I thought you'd be. But now, we gonna come to your hood because you done came to ours and we left you flopping around like a fish out of water. Our hood is just a little different. You see, the gangsters, sometimes we'll make a bet. I'll bet Mustafa, we'll probably die before we get home because when you walk through our hood, somebody liable to jump out with a stick, brick, and take you right out, you understand? Hey. Public enemy, you imitators, you duplicators, but the gangsters, we the originators. Get ready, because we gonna set your ass on fire. And I don't care what you do. You see, ECW, we extreme. You ain't seen extreme yet. You see, the gangsters don't care nothing about winning and losing. All we wanna do is beat the hell out the public enemy. So get ready, because your day is numbered. And when the gangsters get a hold, then your mother you better know we gonna treat you like a pimp treat a hoe we gonna slap you around and leave your ass out to dry you bunch of punk mother we gonna rise up in that his ass let's go and we're on to your semi-main of the evening it's gonna be for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship it's gonna be the champion Sandman going up against Cactus Jack. Sandman and Woman at the start. Not one, but two Singapore Canes for this match. Cactus, just in response to that, comes out. He's right fist and his forearm wrapped in barbed wire. So start of the match, Sandman goes to the outside, almost dares Jack to come out and join him. We're hitting the hitting the apron with his cane. Woman then does the same at the other side. Cactus is just kind of wondering where the first shot's going to come from. Goes to Sandman. Woman then gets up in the apron and throws a can of beer at the challenger, but then the champion goes inside, starts to beat a stunned Cactus with said cane. Jack gets to the outside. Sandman almost athletically hurdles the top rope to the outside. He could actually be an athlete. Um, goes for the, the big swing but misses it, gets a DDT and Cactus gets his hands in the Singapore cane. Champion gets beaten down for a bit, equalises with a steel chair, but woman comes into the ring, canes Cactus, then Jack does the, Jack gets the same from the Sandman. An awful DDT to Cactus Jack. 
Sandman had it, he lost it, he was an athlete for a good 15 seconds, went for a DDT, awful to the chair, but in his defence, he did sell the, the elbow lander and the steel in the aftermath of that. Woman then goes to the back, comes back out with more barbed wire, Sandman pile drives cactus to the chair, he then takes the barbed wire from woman, going to wrap up his fist and his forearm with it as well, but... This is ECW, we need to go one above. Whenever someone does something, you need to ramp it up to 11. He wraps the barbed wire around his entire body. He then corner splashes Cactus twice, goes for a big splash from the top rope and nails it. Cactus manages to backdrop Sam out of the outside before hitting that patented apron elbow with a chair for company. Blast Sandman on the outside in the concrete. Sandman then gets his barbed wire shut pulled up round his face. Cactus hits a top rope leg drop for an ear fall. Gets a couple of punches in, busts the champion open, but again manages to kick out. Woman comes in again, Kane's Cactus, who actually shoves her down to the mat. Again, listen to the end of the show to discuss that. Shoves her down to the mat. Sandman then bumps the referee, all three of them laid out at this point. But they then get the last hurrah again of the franchise. Shane Douglas comes in, pile drives the bloody challenger, takes the mic and tells Sandman to keep his friends closer and his enemies right by his side. He then canes Cactus. Sandman manages to roll over him. They get the three as Douglas tells ECW to kiss his ass goodbye. Gentlemen, we've... Can I talk about this in the last couple of months with Sandman as your heavyweight champion, usually in your main event spot where you get the kind of car crash violence that were known in ECW? You've usually had a mid-card wrestling match, to be fair. Maybe kind of more and above the Taz and Scorpio affair with like Dean Malenko or Benoit, kind of something along those lines. I don't know whether it was just because this was coming off the back of that awful bad breed match with the just blood going everywhere. I really enjoyed this. I thought they I thought they'd really kinda of done well, Tom. I don't know about you. Um uh, I would start with uh saying that I am very, very torn about Sandman as a champion. And I I'm Understandably. Loathed, yeah, and I'm I'm loath to say that I enjoyed the match that much because I, I don't really think, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think he should be in in that position. I really don't. I think he's got there because of his character. And I th- he's actually got a very good look. He comes out to the ring with woman with his amazing American pyjama bottoms on, which <laughs> obviously get the ladies. And he drinks his beer and he has his smokes. That's fine. But his matches never, ever, ever impress me. It's only ever who, who he's up against that impresses me. And Cactus Jack continuously impresses me. Not just because uh, he's willing to throw himself through anything that's put in front of him. But his primer works fantastic. He's got a real, he's got a lot of character. Um, he's actually surprisingly agile. Yeah, and that one spot that Sandman did where he jumped over the top with the cane was actually very impressive. And I made a note of that. Uh, but other than that, uh, the match was, was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. But then again, it was never, it was nothing that I didn't think it was going to be. It didn't surprise me in any way. But the story that was told was quite good. The involvement of woman was, was, uh, done very well. Uh, um, and as you say, the, the, the post-match we got a nice final send-off for, for the franchise. But um, no, as a main event, I probably wasn't as, as impressed as you were, I don't think. Um, but that's, I think I'm a bit tainted because of my opinion on Sandman. But um, uh, I, I think Cactus is great. 
That's fair enough. I mean, you say Sandman's maybe one of the places he has because of that, that character coming out to Metallica at the start. The full cigarette situation, the the beers, and the kind of cutting himself open in backstage promos with Kindle, well, Singapore Canes or Kindle Sticks, whatever you want to call them. I would say that probably the last champion was Shane Douglas. He's been headhunted with a national federation. Who do you want to put the belt on? Someone that no one will come and steal from you. So maybe that's why the Sandman's got to say, nah, he's not going anywhere, mate. He's safe as house. He's this boy. Um, Kieran, what did you make of the match itself? Uh, yeah, the, the, the Sandman thing again, like I said, it's kind of interesting because you hear these, you, I've heard these names before. Obviously I know Cactus Jack and a few others, but the Sandman's kind of an enigma type thing. And especially when he comes down, because I've seen other, you know, other wrestlers maybe chugging on a beer or, you know, they um, using like the the weapons and that. But he definitely has presence to him. I'll say I I will give him that. He does have a presence. He come he comes out and he's got total belief in that character. It's just all the way up to the point of when he starts with the action in the ring, that's kind of where the, the veil slips. It's kind of what I was thinking in my head as I was watching it. Is I was kind of thinking back to 911. I was kind of thinking, again, they've got two guys who are just brilliant, brilliant gimmicks. One, you're not so sure about what's going to happen. And then you've got Sandman that as soon as he starts in the ring, it's sort of the veil slips and then it's just not as, it doesn't come off as impressive. It just looks like your dad who's a bit pissed up and he's starting a bit of a ruckus at a wedding or something. It's just, that, like I said, the one good spot, and I did make a note of it like you two guys did, of the the slingshot. Um, I thought it was well, I thought the match was really well paced. And that's obviously, that comes from Cactus, Cactus Jack, a lot of it. Well, I think it does anyway, because he knows exactly when and what to do, when to do it, how to do it. The interference from the outside it never really let the match descend into like a clusterfuck, which is what I was pre- I was praying that wouldn't happen. That all the it would just be interference all the time, and the guys would never get any sort of rhythm at all. Or what rhythm we can with Sandman? So I enjoyed the match for what it was, but I was kind of similar to Tom. I, I I really like Sandman as a character. It's just that when the match started, that's when I sort of was it. Oh, he's he's this sort of wrestler. Pretty much. I mean, as you say as well, Kieran, I don't think it's any any coincidence that the Sandman's entrance is maybe not even as much in this match, but the entrance usually lasts as long, if not longer, than the match itself, which, again, just playing an easy game. I mean, I'm a big fan of Yeah, I mean, you do what Sandman's about six minutes long, that's all. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if it was a Super King cigarette as well that the Sandman had. And I mean, it's <laughs> it certainly kind of plays into the plays into the character, but you can see, yeah. I mean, you can you can see why they do that. And I mean, you don't want them to get too. Exp- I say, I think it was maybe just me coming into this in the back of the Rottens that it was like, oh no, these two guys did actually do a a pretty violent feud pretty well. And as you said at the end there, Tom, we got the. The, the last call at the bar for, for Shane Douglas comes out, gets his interference in the match, which as you say didn't go on too long. It was pretty well played. Women played a part. Todd Gordon, Commissioner Gordon comes out, tries to reverse the decision, 
but then Shane Douglas turns it around on him, tells him he'll actually stay in ECW if Gordon gets down on his knees, which he does, he obliges the franchise, but he then fires Douglas on the spot before franchise lays out both Gordon and the match referee. The crowd's chants in 9-1-1 are answered, and the big man again comes out, gets the payoff in Shane Douglas. We finally see the franchise getting chokeslammed, and he's chokeslammed all the way to New York. Now, main event, time for the, the main event of the evening. It's going to be the public enemy going up against the gangsters and what could well be a, a battle for the true OGs of the hood this match. And let's hear a bit from both teams before we go into it. Laddie Daddy, we like the party! Gangsters, you want to take it to the hood? Flyboy Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge have come home and we're back in the hood. It might be fancy clothes. It might be a pocket full of money now. But you're bringing out the true public enemies. Gangsters, we know where we got to be. ECW's making big strides. ECW's moving up, Johnny. (laughs) We don't need no fancy hotels. We don't need no penthouses. We don't need no luxury cars. We had that, right, Johnny? At all. This is where we belong. Mr. Cameraman, get a shot. At our resort, Mr. Cameraman, let the people see where we belong. Because where we belong is here. And here is where the blood flows free. And here is where our hearts belong. And here is where we need to be, Johnny. This is where we need to be to get back to where we belong. Gangsters, remember one thing. Public Enemy are the original OGs of professional wrestling. So one thing left the same. Rock up by baby. So, steel mailbox in hand, just again, and kind of wet and watch for the month. We get Johnny and Rocco calling out New Jack and Mustafa, who undoubtedly answer the calls armed with clubs. Johnny works over New Jack in the ring with an umbrella, manages to crotch him, and Rocco hits the drive-by on Mustafa up at the Eagle's Nest. The gangsters regain control as New Jack bursts open Johnny with a club, and Mustafa side suplexes Rocco through a table. Mustafa then launches Rocco face first into a fan, not a spectator, but an electric cooling down device. Audible gas for the crowd at this point is you can see sparters coming from, from Rocco's face, but it was really, really well done. Back in the ring, Johnny gives New Jack a, a crimson mask, to quote Gordon Soley. Both of the public enemy then start working over Mustafa at ringside before New Jack takes out Johnny Grunge. We then get a computer keyboard and a watermelon. A computer keyboard and a watermelon add themselves to the... God, what have we had this month? An ironing board, a, an ironing board, the TV antenna, and lest we forget the famous newspaper receptacle. Um, Raven seems to have left his old WWF polo mallet lying about as well as Mustafa adds himself to the bloodbath. 
chokes out Johnny in the corner, but Rocco manages to moonsault a bloody new jack through a table. Mustafa breaks up the fall. Flyboy then nails Mustafa with the polo mark from the top rope, rolls him up, gets the three, and quite quite convincingly, Joey Styles declares for the, the Eagles' nest that the public enemy are the winners of the first battle in what's sure to be a long and bloody war. Kieran, would you make it this as a main event? It was a bit of a letdown. I was really hoping for... Again, it's like with the, the benefit of hindsight, I suppose. You, you think it's ECW. I should half be expecting, like, um, you know, sort of more brawls rather than wrestling. But I was hoping we might get a bit more wrestling than we did. So the match was the match was okay. Um, something that really caught my eye was a guy with a sign. And he had a few signs throughout that I didn't... This, but this one I thought was a bit close to the bone. It said, we want a lynching. I mean, mm. this, this, this crowd is just, it's mental. I can, I can see why they sort of, why some of these brawls might happen the way they do, because they're obviously pandering to a very, very, very like aggressive crowd. And yeah. it's this constant, I, I get, I think I understand where this constant need, or they think this constant need for brawling comes from. It's like you said, throughout the throughout the show it's this constant game of one upmanship. So you go from the you go for the rotten match and then you go to what the Sandman and Catches Jack did together and then when you put those three to get those matches in particular one after another, I can kind of understand why they had the brawl that they did and why the match was a, was the brawl that it was. So it was it was okay. It was just not my not my cup of tea really and but the random weapons is just it's brilliant. That fantastic <laughs> That guy, the props guy must have been, I mean, they must have been paying him a fortune to go out and source some of this. I mean, a bloody keyboard. Somebody, somebody <laughs> could have been using that. No wonder they don't get paid. It's because the bloody keyboard for the computer where they get the checks off, it's been smacked over there to some wrestler. There's probably some exactly. poor secretary in the back going, I had a keyboard here. No one's getting paid this week. I mean, there's definitely somebody around the corner for this ECW arena trying their best to make a couple of pounds and a, in a kind of garage sale or a trunk sale or I mean and God he's, his business is booming I mean the, the stuff that's <laughs> the stuff that's in here is just unbelievable um, I mean I'm really glad you brought the, the sign guy I suppose you would call him glad you brought that up about the lynching as well so I mean it was something I was thinking about in the, the Ian and Axel Rotten match but I mean this is at times almost like uh, it's almost like a Roman Coliseum kind of atmosphere with blood much. flowing and very much and I mean, it's like, why, why did he do this? But then you go to that, that main event and you see the sign there, but we want a lynching. And it's like, well, that's why they're doing it. The crowd is just encouraging this. And again, with the one upmanship, it's like, well, they want this, we'll give them this. But then it's mm. like, we'll give them this, and then the crowd want more. And it's, I mean, it really just does get quite well, uncomfortable. I mean, the thought points. in my head, I mean, as the, as the show sort of winded down and finished, I was thinking, I mean, how do they possibly think of where they can go next? You know, when everything's just ramped up, ramped up, ramped up, and the crowd are in that much of a fervour and they're that uh, that, that aggressive, how, how do they keep them sort of... How do they keep the crowd pleased? It's kind of... Exactly, I mean... It, exactly, I mean, it's like that kind of old locker room game where it's like, oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to drive in and I'm going to run them over and I'm going to leave them bleeding in the side in the sidewalk. Well, what next? Well, then I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to throw them back into the car and I'm going to drive off a bridge and drown them. Yeah. 
uh, oh, well, what next? Well, I'm going to dive to the bottom of the ocean and then handcuff him to the bed of the sea. And it's like, oh, well, well, well what next? And it's just like, where, where do you go with us? Mm-hmm. Tom, what did you think of the, the main event itself? I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I, I, it You're a sick man, Tom Martin. <laughs> I must have been watching too much extreme horror. But no, uh, honestly, I, I, I um, when you looked at the card and you saw that that's what the main event was and you saw the little preview of what, of what was to come in the match before, I'm quite biased uh, in, my, in my pro wrestling viewing when if I like a character and I like what's being presented to me as a potential match or potential angle, if it delivers what I expect, I like it. And I really, really liked this. I thought, the, I, I think the gangsters are a great, uh, a great tag team, like for ECW. They'd never fit in anywhere else, but they look like the type of guys that if you came across them on the street and looked at them the wrong way, they would leave you in a pit of your own, in a pool of your own blood and wouldn't give two shits about it. And that, is, real, exactly, yeah. that is exactly how two guys like that would have a match. They basically said to them, right, all four of you, go out and just go apeshit. Anything you see, use it. Any table you see, smash through it. And, and it was just chaos. And I, I, I thought that was exactly what I wanted from the match. And it was never going to be uh, a wrestling spectacle when you looked at who was in it, really. Um, and I, but, but I thought it actually had a couple of good spots in I think New, New Jack's got a great flying shoulder when he when he dives off the, the ring apron, or I think he was on yeah. the stage with the ring apron. But that's a really legitimate, you look at that and you think, ow, that, that really looks painful. And I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite when I say that the Sandman's a, a one-trick pony, and once you've seen it, you've seen it all. But the gangsters are a new team, um, and it may be just because they're fresh. Um, they're not necessarily doing anything new, but in this sort of street war, as I guess they're pitting it, I think, I just thought it was, it was really watchable. Um, and I think that the public enemy are so over with the crowd um, it was the right result in the end. And as you, as you guys alluded to, this is going to be a war. Um, and as you say, you can only really think that each match will pick up from the last one. So in a really sort of quite despicable way, I'm quite looking forward to where they take it. And there you see it in a couple of weeks' time at Heat Wave. I'm going to be in a cage, and the cage is going to be full of weapons. So yeah. ding, ding, round two for the on-air turf war between the public enemy and the gangsters. Tom, just brief overview of the show itself, thoughts on the show, review, and then just a rating out of 10 if you could. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as I said earlier, as my first start to finish ECW show that I've watched, um, I was surprised by how stop and start it was. I thought the whole show would have a similar feeling, uh, but it actually didn't. I felt that the individual matches were booked as individual matches, and there wasn't really a lot of thought put into what precedes what, what precedes the next match and how are the crowd going to feel at this point. It was a bit like you guys do that match, you guys do that match, and we'll just put them in as we like them, and you know we'll, we'll, we'll save the craziest batshit match till till uh, till the end. Um, I, I, I actually I actually enjoyed it because I like ECW as a product, and I, I I love what they do, which is something so entirely different from anything else you can find. And it's the kind of stuff that if you caught it and you were flicking between channels, I would leave it on because I, li- I like stuff like that. You know, I'll watch, I'll watch car crash TV, literally, what car, you know, wild police chases or anything like that. So it's, if you like that sort of thing, I don't think it was a bad show. I think there was, there was an absolutely dreadful match in there and there was an, a really, really good match in there as well. And the rest of it, in my opinion, from what I've seen so far, was just ECW. So I would give it a four out of ten. Fair enough. Fair enough. Kieran, move it yourself. Yeah, um, again, came in not with certain expectations. Um, 
it was just too bitty to, there was like, like Tom said, there's, there's, there was just no flow to it. It was like, this was quite good. That was really shite. This was all right. That was really good. And it, when you don't flow, it kind of makes, it kind of makes watching it hard. Like I had to watch it twice just to make sure that, you know, I got everything because I thought, well, is that really that bad? Oh yes, it was really that bad the second time round. So it was kind of just like there was no flow or no ebb and flow. But some of the some of the really good stuff was really really good. So I'm going to go slightly higher. I'm going to say five out of ten. It's fair enough. I'm inclined more to agree with yourself. Okay, I think the two you raised some valid points in there. I mean, there was some just utter trash on this show. I mean. It's one of these things where you've just really got to take your hands off to whoever does the edit in a hardcore TV for, I think it was yourself, Tom, and he said it just flows perfectly and it's just bang, bang, bang into a, and the kind of solid gold, whether it's a wrestling match, whether it's an angle, whether it's a blood feud, and it just flows brilliantly right throughout the month. I mean, myself and Bobby Bamber talk about it every month for hardcore TVs, he's easily the most kind of consistent. TV output in the the country right now, but when you're starting off a a pay per view with a tag team that I don't think anybody will really have seen the ECW with the Dudley Brothers, they were pretty decent. I mean, the the crowd certainly on their side, but then firing into that that tag match when nine one one comes out, the the Hack Myers, Big Marley, Big Valpucci, whatever you want to call them, match. There was two Cole Scorpio in the middle and Taz, which I thought was good. The tag title match was all right. I mean, Douglas is always just gold for me, and it's actually quite like the last two matches after that that debacle. It was the the Taipei death match in the middle, but I would probably agree with yourself, Kieran. Overall, five out of ten. So, brief hardcore TV review for the month. We've just had a look at Hardcore Heaven from July 1st, 1995. We've then cut to the July 4th Hardcore TV, where we get Cactus Jack over my hand to the department Shane Douglas, which is declined. Women and Luna then cut opposing promos, extending the ongoing Sandman and Tommy Dreamer saga. And we get a music video with the public enemy as they dance in the ring, almost busting with at least a hundred fans. We then cut back to the end of June, where we get highlights of the public enemy losing their belts at the end of June to Raven and Richards. They originally have defeated due to interference from the gangsters. The referee John Finnegan doesn't see this, announces the title change, but referee Jim Molino comes out, corrects him, and the decision is reversed and the public enemy retain. But heat seat missile Bill Alfonso comes out, overrules both, reverts back to the original decision, and right enough, we have new tag team champions. And on the July 11th episode of Hardcore TV, the main highlight of this, interspersed with highlights of Hardcore Heaven, as we've just reviewed, is a poly, dangerously promo, building Taz. July 18th, we get very, very brief highlights of the public enemy and the gangsters, with New Jack calling Johnny his bitch and a slow motion tease of Rocco Rock's moonsault from the top of the cage at Heatwave 95 onto Mustafa Saeed who's laid out on not one but two stacked tables. Joey Styles then announces the pending debut of both Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers who will be debuting in the next month in ECW and we cut backstage to Steve Richards who says the Steiner's collegiates from MIT can't match his 11th grade diploma. Bueller has a go at his ringside bimbo, and Raven calls himself ECW's most powerful force. 
And final show of the month for July. We've got July 25th and a very sombre opening with Joey Styles advising Tazzy's suspected broken neck. We then also get a classy debut in Florida of a character clad in camouflage pants and a full head mask known as the Terrorist. Underdog Mikey Whitrick upsets the near £300-pounder before Bill Alfonso nullifies the win. Fonzie then labels the terrorist as his new personal bodyguard and calls out Paulie's 911 trump card. The two square off, 911 no-sells the terrorist offence, chokeslams the big man. 911 finally gets a hold of Bill Alfonso, who wonderfully slithers out his 1980s blue referee shirt and bolts to the back topless. The terrorist then takes Fonzie's chokeslam for him and almost out of his tack boots. So, gentlemen, last wrap-up for the show in July last month. Some myself and Bob have spoke about briefly, but it's something that we did think should make the air, and it's really just the the kind of general treatment of women in general as a gender in ECW, whether it's women or especially Luna Vachon or even Beulah getting dragged into this as well. Kieran, I'm going to start with you. What do you, what do you think in general of this kind of treatment of women in ECW? How do you think it... How do you think it's meant, and also how do you think it comes across to a TV audience? Like I said, again, I probably kind of a unique look on it. I, I was quite taken aback. I, I mean, I, I know who Luna is, and I'm actually quite a big fan. I think she's, she, I think she's very underrated in like the the annals of, of wrestling, especially as managers. I think she's she, she's absolutely fantastic. But the way they treat the other the other uh, women like Beulah. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know how many women are actually on the roster at the moment, but if that's the kind of treatment they're getting, it really did kind of take me aback. The, the sort of moves that they're getting, you know, sort of like full-on shots, you know, uh, power bombs, it's all these sort of things. They're not like sort of, you know, little sneaky backhanded, you know, sort of disguised shots. They just get full-on, like, moves put on them. And I, it really did take me back. It really did. I think that's a fair point. I mean, it's even, uh, they always talk about it. it's not just the physical side, it's the mental side. And I mean, you're getting, getting women called douchebag sluts. And I mean, you can tell when a man's talking to a woman on the air, on a pre-tape show that's then edited for home video and they still have to censor it. You know, you're kind of chatting in the wrong door. And I mean, even going back to, to last year, whether it's the, whether it's Tommy Cairo and his kind of pre-tape segments calling Miss Peaches out and it's like, what you been doing with your time off, Tommy? Oh, I've been eating peaches. And that kind of yeah. not-so-thinly-veiled digs, at, <laughs> digs at, um, at the former manager-ess. I mean, Tom, what, what do you make of this in general, just how these women are treated in this company? Um, I think there's a few things to consider. I mean, I think the way that it's handled is probably uh, the company's reaction to their demographic audience and what they think they want to see. Because um, all you've got to do is take a look at the audience, and it, it, it's it's 95% males. Um, and I don't think probably 80% of them would mind seeing Luna, Luna Bajon getting hit with a chair. So I, I guess unless they've got people on their backs, be it TV companies, which is unlikely, saying you shouldn't be putting this on TV, you're being misogynistic, you're being sexist, you're being homophobic, and in some instances, I think they verge on being racist. In some of the, certainly some of the crowd chants that I've heard, um, I don't think they know any better. 
and the, the, the crowds are still turning up and the, the, they're still making money and they're still selling out the arena every week. So I, I, as much as it might not be the right thing, I can't see it changing anytime soon. And I think that another thing I, I, I thought of is that all of the, the women that are involved, they'll all have agreed to this. They'll all, they'll all have signed up. Nothing's happening that they won't have said, OK, I'm actually all right with this. Now, whether that's because they might be short of money or they've been talked into it or they've been told it's one thing and it turned out to be another, we don't know that. But none of them are there, I, I don't believe, because they've been forced to be there. Uh, Luna Vachon is notoriously a bit nutty and a bit of a nutcase, and she's done more physicality-wise in the ring than, I, I think, it, from what I've seen, any of the, the other females on the roster. So I'm sure Luna knew what she was getting herself in for. Um, but, but as you guys touched on, some of the, some of the other stuff is, is borderline offensive. Um, but I just think they get away with it. So I can't see it changing. Yeah, I mean, couple of, couple of good points in there as well, Tom. I mean, especially from ECW as a company point of view. I mean, you're looking at this as they're not, they are still a regional territory. I mean, they are still just kind of broadcasting a couple of kind of sparse outlets in the country. They've got the brazenness to be kind of pretty much putting out a full recording of Metallica's Enter Sandman, as you discussed earlier on. I mean, I don't think they're going to be too bothered about censorship or, kind of licensing issues, never mind just kind of what they see as offhand slaps and comments made to made to women. I mean, as you say even as well about the kind of involvement of these women in this, I mean, does it look as if these women are getting put into a, into a PG product or a, a universal product and then just getting the editing twisted? The fact that Tour and Beulah and the and Stevie's apparent girlfriend at ringside are having a brawl, but it involves the two of them wearing miniskirts, and underneath that, some thongs. It, it certainly seems as if the, the girls are certainly aware of what they're, what they're getting involved in, but... But I think, Dale, I think as well, sorry, I just think that in terms of ECW, what, what, what type of, what type of, uh, channel would you see this on? It's late, ECW really, in, in its very basic essence, is late night TV. It's the sort of thing, because of how violent it is, and because of the demographic that it's aimed towards, it's going to be on late, and it's going to be watched by men who don't really want to see uh, uh, really complex, technical female wrestling. They want to see girls in skirts and, and, and you know, getting involved with a bit of physicality, but not the pretty girls, because, you know, they, all they really want to see with them is as little as possible in terms of clothing. But I think Unless um, with the physicality it's Beulah McGillicutty getting a pile driver and she's lofted in the air her skirt falls down and you see her arse I would uh, imagine yeah. they want to see that level of physicality Well you can't blame them for that but uh, I, I think um, I think uh, there's going to be questions the more, the more and more popular the ECW gets the more and more questions that will be asked but not just in terms of their treatment of women um, the, the overall the way the company's run top to bottom um, but uh, they, they are, uh, yeah, some of the stuff that we've seen is, is pretty, pretty offensive. I, I can't imagine there being any females that would watch this and be comfortable with watching it in terms of, unless you, you hate everyone of the same sex, um, there's nothing in there for women to watch this product, and I, I don't, but I don't think there's intended to be. And that will pretty much sum us up for the month of July, so... Thank you very much for listening, and also thanks to the the panelists. We are now of twenty years ago more than it. It is true. He does love the smell of fish in the morning. His name is Tom Martin. Tom, thank you very much. Don't know where that came from. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And you are on Twitter, yes. I am on Twitter. It's Mark Out Martin with a Y. 
And thanks again, Tom. And Kieran Mitchell, it is true, he will tie you to his Mustang and go for a ride down South Central LA. Thank you, Kieran. <laughs> I like how I get tagged with fish and he gets going down South Central. I've got a nice car. Tom's just got an old trout. I like that. I'll have that. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, thanks very it. much. Cheers. On Twitter? I am at the um, Joton Thrash 666. And Bob loves my Twitter. He loves it. He's determined to get to the bottom of it as well, but I'm just going to I can confirm hang. I do love it, but, but carry on. I'm just going <laughs> to let it hang there like the kind of backstory of the Dudley brothers. I just want to leave that bit of mystique there. And obviously I am Del Muir, Del underscore Muir on Twitter. Do check out the Wrestling Twitter Years Ago website. Subscribe on there for your monthly newsletter. There's also the RSS feed and the blogs. Subscribe on iTunes. Give us a like. Give us a comment on Facebook, forward slash Wrestling20YRS. Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. Do give us a subscription on iTunes as well. Give us a comment. Give us five star ratings. Do subscribe and it saves you the hassle of digging us out. And for the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, my name is Del Muir, that was Tom Martin and Kieran Mitchell, and until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>